This, the Chad and Cheese podcast, brought to you in partnership with TA Tech. TA Tech, the Association for Talent Acquisition Solutions. Visit tatech.org. Chad, why do recruiters spend money on unqualified or uninterested candidates? Dude, I don't know because they're recruiters. What in the hell are you talking about in the first place? All right, stay with me here. PPC campaigns mean you're paying per click. And the person who clicks could be qualified or unqualified. You don't know, and you're still going to pay for that click. Hell, man, a subscription model is even worse because you're paying for all of the candidates, not necessarily qualified ones. Bingo. So the answer is current pricing models suck. Duh. So what if you handed over cash for only interested and qualified candidates? Ah. And I'm talking about candidates that are actually qualified. The ones that meet all of your job requirements from years in an industry to specific skills. I gotcha. Now you're talking about uncommon. Bingo. Uncommon is where the model does not suck. And right now, Uncommon only charges $14.95, that's $14.95 per interested and qualified candidate. If you do volume hiring, you'll get bigger discounts. And that's cheap. So yeah, Uncommon is simple. You set your monthly budget and Uncommon only charges you when you get an interested applicant that meets or exceeds your job requirements. And to sweeten the deal, just create your free account and get your first five qualified and interested candidates for free. Just go to Uncommon.co to create your free account. That's U-N-C-O-M-C-O. M-O-N dot C-O and get those fresh five free peeps with mega skills. <laughs> hey, this is Chad from the Chad and Cheese podcast. Today on the Uncommon Exclusive, we have George LaRock. That's right. Not George LaRock. LaRock. <laughs> LaRock. La Not the porn star, by the way. Uh, this is uh, George LaRock. George, you've been in the recruiting industry for a, for a good amount of time. Give us a little bit of your background and, and tell the listeners why they need to know a little bit about George. Uh, it has been a good amount of time. I, it's been like almost 30 years now. So I spent 10 years. I came out of the staffing world, moved on to the employer side, mm-hmm. uh, came out of recruiting into HR and you know really ran it all. Spent 10 years on the vendor side, launched a couple of the bigger brands in talent acquisition and uh, worked in talent management uh, there as well. And now it's been about nine years as this uh, analyst and advisor. So what what I do is uh, publish reports on hrwins.com. And what I, uh, outside of the reports, what I do is I help employers and vendors understand each other. And one of the things that I that I do as a part of that is track innovation and all of the startups or what's coming up and uh, share a quarterly report on uh, the VC that's been invested uh, in those startups globally for HR tech in all of the segments. So George, what piqued my interest there was saying 30 years in the industry. Uh, so let's start with a historical perspective from you um, in regards to, I guess, the VC space, what are your takeaways from the last 10, 20 years of money flowing in and out of the of the industry? Well, uh, the last 10, it's been uh, just, you know, we, we've had maybe a couple of lulls here, you know, 2008, 2009, everybody tapped their brakes, right, uh, with the financial collapse. But generally speaking, it has just been a... Uh, 
uh, it's been salad days as far as the money flowing into the business, right? Uh, into the industry. Uh, deals that in uh, two. 2000, you know, 18 years ago, uh, you know, somebody got $5 million. We were like, mm -hmm. wow, that's a lot of money. Um, last week, Greenhouse got $50 million. And I saw Daniel, the CEO there, and I said, you know, wow, that's a lot of money. And he said, yeah, you know, it, it, it is, you know, it, it's, and it's, you know, we, we had a earlier in the quarter, we had a hundred million dollar round to checker, right? So it's, it's just vastly different. Um, and that's not just an HR tech thing. That's, that's everywhere. The money is, it's incredible how much money is out there uh, for startups. So why do you, why do you think this much money is actually going out to, I mean, $50 million is a good clip of cash. So what, what does a greenhouse or what is a checker? I mean, what do they actually need with this kind of cash? Uh, well, you know, I, Fifty million at greenhouse, um, and uh, I know them a little better than I do Checker, uh, but uh, it's a later stage round, and they've raised over a hundred million. So when you look at what a company's doing with a big later stage round like this, like these these aren't this isn't like uh, back when Zenefix came out of nowhere and raised five hundred, right? That was that was just un inexplicable, and and where are they now, right? Yeah. Um, so this is more of a, a growth funding. Uh, they've, they've received validation. Now, I'm not saying it's a foregone conclusion that they will be the leader they are trying to become or seem to be emerging as uh, in either one of their cases, but they've had to demonstrate, you know, a certain amount of uh, revenue traction, a certain amount of, you know, product market fit that they've got to have the right team. Uh, so uh, at the same time, investors like to double down. It's a safer bet when others have gone before and these, uh, these firms have demonstrated more results. Uh, so they'd rather put more money in to a more established vendor, um, that's why it's so hard to raise the early money because it's, you know, you don't have the product, you don't have the, the market acceptance yet. George, you see a lot of companies now sort of forego the public space, the you know, going IPO. Um, in the early days, you know, Monster Dice, going public was sort of the way that people would cash out. Today, you're seeing, you know, someone like Glassdoor that gets, you know, 200 some million in investment money. Uh, go for the the, the sale uh, to recruiting, uh, you know, recruiting in this space, or recruiting in this in this instance, as opposed to going IPO. Is it your sense that these companies are getting a lot of money? Is it is the goal essentially? to sell or to go IPO in your opinion? That's a really good question. Um, you know, back in the day uh, when I was on the vendor side, you know, I was uh, employee number 10 at Brass Ring and we uh, raised a uh, a crap ton of money, um, you know, largely from the newspaper industry, um, you know, and it, it came through their corporate funds. Mm -hmm. um, if you asked me when I was, you know, running sales for Brass Ring, uh, I, I would have said, well, you know, the the what we have to do in order to exit, whether we're acquired or whether we go public, is uh, it's exactly the same. We've got to you know, build value. Yeah, it's the, it's the it's the soundbite that you're told to give when you're asked that question. Um, now, you know, I think there's there's more of an assumption that obviously the VC is looking to get their their money back times five. Uh, and I, I don't know that there's a preference. I, I think they want I, I think there's less um, 
there's less of a uh, glow around going public to your point. I think there's, uh, if they get acquired and they get a sick multiple, um, that's a hell of a lot easier, you know, staying private, not going through that pro- process. Um, but I, you know, I, I, I think that, mm-hmm. uh, really has to do with, um, uh, the culture of the organization and, and sort of the founders, right? Uh, how, um, you know, what's, what's their vision for what they want to build and uh, what success means, you know, to them. And then depending on how much they're leveraged, what that means to the, the VC they took their money from, um, you know, it means more if you're, what the, what the VC thinks, if you're highly leveraged to them. Yeah. So it sounds like strategies changing when it comes to, when it comes to startups. And, and that being said, obviously funding has changed as well from comparing last year to this year. Can you give us kind of like an idea of how much money's been spent in 2018 versus 17 and what, uh, and what that looks like possibly moving out to the, the uh, end of Q4? We're, we're basically at the midpoint of 2018 and we've already surpassed uh, 2017. So with one point three three billion in 2018 um that's a couple hundred k uh i'm sorry a couple hundred million uh more than we did uh, we did about uh one 1.09 billion in 2017 so um so that's that's a, a breakneck case mm-hmm. um it's hard to it's hard to predict where where we'll be at the end of the year because um you know i look at you know q1 this year uh was a was huge. It was almost uh, 800 million just in Q1. So we had about 533 uh, million in Q2. Um, so, mm-hmm. you know, that's a dip from Q1, yet Q2 was bigger than any quarter in 2017. So does that mean, you know, will we spike up again? It's, it's really hard because I, I, you know, to predict because, you know, I, I don't know that, um, you know, the same indicators you would look at for just like general corporate growth or how the job market's doing or how the stock market's doing necessarily uh, relate to the investments that are in the, in the works today. It's, it's hard to predict for me. Anyhow. So most, I mean, most VC and, and correct me if I'm wrong, they don't even understand our industry in the first place. So are, are, are they just anxious to throw cash at, at anything that sounds good? I mean, even just, just a concept versus what's actually there. It was funny the other day we were talking talking about vaporware and how that was a that was a big term back in the late 90s it, it almost seems like that's a what's going on today as well oh there, you had a couple of questions there and you know to um joel's um point earlier I, I think the you know the vc um sees these these exits um they see the glass door acquisition uh they see uh indeed uh being acquired they uh they see linkedin being acquired they see all of these things and um you know there's some big these are some mammoth acquisitions uh big exits for these guys so it, it draws a lot of attention to the space um you know on the other side of things they they saw uh, success factors years ago uh and the multi you know which was a, that was another giant acquisition by um sap um you could argue whether that was over way overvalued or not but uh so that that gets a lot of attention then you start to look at uh the issues mm-hmm. at like a macro level that everybody is aware of right um in the news you hear about uh the pay gap you hear about um you hear about uh the skills gap you hear about uh you know 
the job market um, having you know issues, uh, you know talent hard to find. So the VC is is aware of this. And I think it attracts them to the space. Now, I don't know if it's vaporware that they're investing in because it, it is really hard to raise. You know, I talked to so many startups that have uh, they have a product, they have a good idea, um, but they don't have the traction they need to, um, to to attract that early round of venture capital. Mm-hmm. It used to be a million dollar run rate. Um, you know, ten years, you know, less than ten years ago, a million dollar run rate in um, recurring revenue uh, would drive. Uh, some investment, but th- that's clearly not cutting it um, any any longer. Uh, they're looking for uh, more traction, more success. Uh, but there's still like that old. There's still that old boys network. Um, you know, it's still there's still. You look at the big rounds that go really early, and you can see you can see the ties. Whether it's through their educational background, maybe they worked at an investment bank, mm-hmm. um, worked in a uh, the same you know corporate corporation at some uh-huh. point. Um, I still see a lot of a lot of that for the really big ones that happen early on. Uh, and you're seeing D or actually your C rounds, at least within your report, is where a lot of the money's going. So what you're saying is that you there there has to be that proven model that's in place, even though 120 million went to A, I mean, most of the money overall went to went to more later round funds. Yeah, that's yeah, that's that's a good point. Now, this it's impossible to track all of the seed rounds, mm. um, and this is something that I think um, vendors really need to get their head around when they think they want to raise some money and get to that A round. Um, it's the, the reason it's so hard to track is um, I get a lot of calls from vendors, and they're looking for introductions to venture capitalists that make you know super early you know investments, and uh, that money tends to come from more from angels and independent investors, and there's a like a full-time job there, which is networking and pitching your your uh, company to the, these networks of independent investors. Um, and you, if you don't know them already, you've got to get to know them. And you've got to get them really believing in, in what you're doing in order to you know get a few hundred thousand dollars to you know leave their hands mm-hmm. for you to go build your business and get to that to that A round. Um, it's a whole different game than the folks that are uh, pitching for an A round on the backs of you know five ten million dollars of run rate. George, I want to ask you about red flags. Um, historically, anyone who watched the the Jobster uh, train wreck. Taking, <laughs> taking as much money as they did, and that this was this was bound to end badly. Eric, the uh, CEO and founder of Text Recruit, uh, spoke at TA Tech uh, last year and and said something along the lines of, you know, how much does a chatbot like Maya really need? Um, I think Maya's raised somewhere in the neighborhood of thirty or forty million. I'm sure that you probably know better than I. Uh, whereas Text Recruit took a fairly modest three million, as they had already found some success. So I'm curious, anyone out there that you can look at both historically and just sort of uh, the checks that have been written that you can say fairly well that this is probably not going to end well. Well, I, I think uh, we just watched. Uh, I mentioned Zenefits on the uh, HCM and Benefits side. I mean, that was a public uh, implosion for a lot of reasons. They they raised uh, a ton of money. Um, you know, over five hundred million uh, in in one you know one round uh, and. 
you know, you, you could just see that that was, uh, you know, they were uh, the, the original founders were arrogant. Um, they were coming into the market uh, smarter than perceiving themselves to be smarter than, you know, every multi-billion dollar uh, payroll company that came before them. Uh, so it was you, you could you could see that one. That's a historical record. Um, right now, I, I don't know that I would out any um, specific vendors, but I would say that I do see a lot of features that are build as products right now and uh a chat you know chatbots are a, are a really good example um and you know the that funding um question how much is too much um you see a lot of entrepreneurs struggle with that because you don't want to over leverage yourself but at the same time um you know it's uh, when one of the things you can do with money is create a lot of noise and get a lot of attention, right? You can invest in marketing, you can invest in branding, you can invest in salespeople. Um, and that's where it isn't necessarily the best product that starts winning in the market with more feet on the street and more attention. Um, so, uh, you know, the draw to, uh, to that is, um, is pretty intense and you could almost look at, um, you know, another vendor that's raised a ton of money in a, I wouldn't call them a feature, but if you look at uh, Smashfly in the recruitment marketing space, uh, they've raised a lot of money. Um, and, you know, there's been, you know, we, we haven't really heard anything officially, but we know that there's been some shakeups from a management perspective. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I, I look at them and I know they've got a lot of, uh, you know, Fortune 500 customers. Um, I, they're the perceived, you know, market leader in recruitment marketing. Yeah. But at some point, depending on how much money you've raised it can never be enough because you can you can you know you're just you 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 can't be on uh, as healthy a clip from a revenue perspective to satisfy mm -hmm. those investors um so it's i don't I, again i'm not predicting their demise but i think that's one that i would that i'm watching to see I'm, i wonder how they're going to fare in the next few years yeah it's almost like you're drowning right i mean there's just so much that you can take and then you've just taken too much and to be able to try to get that 5x or who knows what they're asking for to be able to actually pay that back and, and, and get to that quote unquote unicorn type of status isn't easy. Obviously, if it was, then everybody would be doing it. No, you're right. You're right. And I think the whole uh, uh, unicorn thing is uh, it's just a silly conversation. Um, you know, it, unicorn by definition uh, is supposed to be rare, right? Right. Uh, it's mythical. So the, uh, the idea now that uh, all of the, you know, the conversation in the broad B2B tech market is one where, uh, you know, sort of getting to unicorn status is the goal. Uh, it's, it's, it's just not feasible. It's, it just isn't realistic um, that they're, they're going to get to, especially in our space. It's just, I just don't see that that happening yeah so let's let's switch gears real quick and let's talk geography so where's the money being spent where the startups where are they at and i guess you can probably see on both sides where's the, where's the money coming from and then where's it being spent what companies where are they actually located geography wise well the, uh, not surprising to anybody would be that uh you know the u.s leads in from a vc perspective both in where the money's coming from as well as where the uh, startups are located uh silicon valley is still the they you know, what do they like to call themselves? The cradle of innovation. Uh, but you're seeing some other areas 
like um, New York, Boston's uh, emerging a little bit again, uh, and then uh, there's a there's there are startups that are located across the country. You know, the world is getting flatter, so uh, you can attract uh, talent that isn't quite as expensive. They get a better quality of life, and your cost your cost of living and cost of doing business is, is a little more feasible uh, in the middle of the country. Or you know, Atlanta's got some interesting things happening uh, there as well. But it's still U.S. and Silicon Valley. Um, internationally speaking, you know, the, the so in Q2 the U.S. had 21 deals. Number two was France with seven. So there's a big gap between number number one and number two. And the U.K. was yeah. num- was number three yeah. and six. And then mm-hmm. everybody else was like one or two deals here or there. Um, France is something interesting. That, you know, they may never catch up to the to the U.S. just given the way we roll here. Uh, but um, and, and the U.K. may never catch up for for all I know. But but when I look at France, they sort of came out in the last couple of quarters. Um, and I don't, you know, I've said it, uh, I've written about it. I don't know whether it's, uh, you know, something political or, uh, you know, what's happening culturally there. But they, they seem to be developing startups. They seem to be investing in um, their people and, uh, you know, from a, even from a uh, governmental perspective, uh, creating uh, ways for folks to start companies and get some early traction. And I've been contacted by a, a branch of the French government yeah. who had a startup coming to the U.S. and they were helping them find analysts and advisors. Uh, so that's kind of interesting. I, I, I'm not aware that we do that for any startups. Uh, we're seeing that in Ireland too. Oh, really? Okay. Okay. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. You guys were over there. Yeah. I know. You, I listened to your uh, you, at least one of your shows from. Uh, uh, from like the Guinness Brewery, maybe throughout Dublin, wherever there's beer. George, I'm curious. You see, obviously, we talk a lot about Google, LinkedIn, Microsoft, etc. Do you, do you see that having a significant impact on the types of companies being funded and how much they're being funded? Well, I, I think those are good examples again of um, activity in the market that draws a lot of attention. Um, the, the in the talent acquisition space, um, consistently quarter to quarter job boards lead uh, as the, you know, subcategory, right? Under I, I sort of group it by talent acquisition. And then within that, I look at job boards slash marketplaces because I've only seen a couple marketplaces that don't just look like every job board I've seen. Uh, so uh, by far uh, the job boards lead. And I think, you know, uh, while Google has released uh, within the G Suite, a, you know, um, process management, you know, a, a, a air quotes, ATS-like capabilities, um, you know, a lot of what they've done and, you know, deeper insight, you have deeper insights into the product stuff, but a lot of what they've done is around the job advertising, um, you know, and, and where we're anticipating that they'll go um, is further in that in getting companies, you know, exposure and drawing talent. So that's a job board like um, marketplace. And I think that probably has something to do with the sustained investment in job boards and marketplaces. Yeah. I mean, the job boards already have revenue streams coming in. They're looking to pivot to, I would assume, to evolve past just being a job board. So I guess, and just just from my opinion, it, it makes sense for a company to be able to provide funding to a company who already has solid revenue streams, first and foremost, and they're looking to evolve into different technology. I mean, it 
doesn't that i mean from my standpoint when i'm when i'm seeing this from the outside that's kind of the feeling i get is that i mean is that what you're feeling as well yeah that's one big part of it the other uh, i think is uh more so than any other solution in our space it's a, it is a two side a job board by definition is a marketplace i've got a consumer and i have the corporation, right? I've got the the consumer and the business side of it, um, and I'm bringing them together. So if I'm investing in an applicant tracking uh, solution, it's a one-sided sale. I'm selling into the business. Uh, So you've got a really, you know, that that sort of high volume transactional um, environment that a job board can be um, is is really attractive to an investor because I can sell, I can can sell via e-commerce, I can sell single ads, and I can sell big subscriptions and other services that I can tack on to your point um, and grow this business because I've got a captive uh, B2B market as well. George, I'm curious about, uh, I asked about red flags earlier. I'm interested in green flags. Uh, of the startups that are getting money, maybe multiple rounds, what are some of the ones that you look at and go, oh, yeah, these guys are a home run? Well, I'm not giving anyone any uh, investment advice. Let me say that up front. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> um, I, yeah, that, that's the million-dollar question, no pun intended, right? Um, it's... Uh, I think you know. Let's let's look at the big sexy trends. So uh, all of the you know the bots and the AI and the machine learning. Um, there are a couple. Uh, one that that jumps out. I think you might have spoken to them. Is um, Alio who goes really deep into the process. Yeah. Um, now, how much of that? You know, I haven't gone deep with them, so I don't know how much of that is like pseudo AI. I don't know how much. You know, I'm not questioning their credibility at all. Um, but that model of you know doing something innovative, mm-hmm. um, you know, and really uh, changing the game for the recruiters and the talent leaders is something that I would pay, you know, close attention to. I also see their uh, customer list and that looks, uh, that looks, you know, pretty impressive uh, as well. Um, I think uh, we're, we are going to see uh, some, you know, I don't know whether it's going to be a, like a, a, a beamery or, you know, I, I picked on Smashfly a little bit. It could be a Smashfly. It could be a telemetry. Um, I think the, the, the folks who can bring the uh, employers something that helps them with that, sort of getting the, the brand to, uh, out to the, to the audience um, is, go- is going to be interesting um, as well. Um, I think you're, you know, there seems to be room to me for, um, either a big brand job board to reinvent themselves or somebody else to come in from the outside. And, um, and, and maybe that's Google, right? Maybe, maybe that's what, what Google is, the void Google will ultimately fit, um, is the, the finder of, of talent. Um, because, you know, the, the, the monsters and the career builders just didn't, didn't get where we, we thought they were going. George, man, thanks for all your time. We really, really appreciate it. We know you're a busy guy. Uh, thanks. Any, any last words, parting wisdom? No, I, I'm just really excited uh, to do this with you guys on a monthly basis. And th- thanks for having me. This is... Uh... <laughs> I'm lo- I am looking forward to it. That, that was a good hard sell. I love that. That was good stuff. Yeah, yeah. We are a huge deal, apparently, if Kurt wants to be on our monthly show. Oh, shit. Thanks, George. Thanks, George. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Remember to visit Uncommon.co, where the candidate model doesn't suck. 
Right now, Uncommon only charges $14.95 per interested and qualified candidate. Plus, if you're into volume, and I know you're into volume, there are bigger discounts. And to sweeten the deal, Uncommon allows you to create a free account and get your first five qualified and interested candidates absolutely free. Uncommon.co. Do it. Thanks to our partners at TA Tech, the Association for Talent Acquisition Solutions. Remember to visit tatech.org. Hi, I'm Tristan. Thanks for listening to my stepdad, the Chad, and his goofy friend, Cheese. You've been listening to the Chad and Cheese podcast. Make sure you subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss out on all the knowledge dropping that's happening up in here. They made me say that. The most important part is to check out our sponsors because I need new track spikes. You know, the expensive shiny gold pair that are extra because, well, I'm extra. For more, visit chatcheese.com. How much do you understand the future of finance? I'm Jim Roos, a top 10 banking influencer and host of the podcast Banking Transformed where we dive deeply into the rapidly evolving world of banking and financial technology. Join me as I interview industry experts, thought leaders, and innovators as they unravel the latest banking trends, disruptions, and game-changing technologies reshaping the world of finance. Redefine your understanding of the banking ecosystem. Subscribe now to Banking Transformed, available wherever you get your podcasts and now available on YouTube.